I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with Smoky Mountain News politics editor and BPR News contributor, very familiar voice to all of us, Corey Valancourt. Corey, thanks for coming in. Hey, Matt. Great to be back. So we're talking about politics, which is in your title, of course. But um, right now, a lot has been happening this summer dealing with Madison Cawthorn, the freshman Republican congressman for Western North Carolina. You've been on the case of all the cases, I guess, that have been happening with him over the last few months. So one of the most recent ones uh, took place earlier this year, but didn't really come to light until a few months later, until last month. And then has to deal with a gun incident in Asheville Regional Airport. So first, please tell us what happened. That's right, Matt. Just a couple of days ago, uh, American Muckrakers PAC, a super PAC dedicated to ousting Cawthorn, sent out a press release and they had discovered an incident that occurred at the Asheville airport back in February. Apparently, uh, Congressman Cawthorn was rushing to catch a flight. TSA agents discovered a firearm in his carry-on and from there they began enforcement. The firearm was loaded, which is not permissible under TSA law. So tell us a bit more about that. Well, the magazine was loaded, but there was no round chambered, so I'm not sure what the exact definition of loaded is, but that's correct. There was ammunition, so the procedure is that TSA will call local law enforcement. Now, that's different at every airport, but at Asheville Airport, it happens to be their own Department of Public Safety. This is a 24-7 police and fire service on the premises. They responded, and in accordance with TSA policy, they gave Congressman Cawthorn the option to take the gun outside and stow it in a car or give it to a friend. Due to the fact that his flight was supposed to depart in about seven minutes, it was deemed that that wasn't going to be practical. And so again, in accordance with TSA policy, the firearm was stored at the Asheville airport until he came to pick it up nine days later. What's the disposition of this case? It still isn't fully completed through the various legal avenues. So what's the disposition of this case? I talked to a TSA regional spokesman by the name of Mark Howell. He oversees about six or seven states. He told me that the matter is still pending. And if you look at the TSA's website, it says you can you can see fines in some cases up to almost $14,000. However, more realistically, for a first-time offender with a clean record, if the firearm is deemed unloaded, that could be about a $2,000 fine. If it's loaded, maybe $4,000. But in both of those circumstances, travelers would likely lose their pre check status either temporarily or permanently. So we'll just have to monitor this and see what ends up happening. Now, this past weekend, Congressman Cawthorn was at a fundraiser outside of the district. In fact, it was at one of the facilities owned by someone he looks up to very much, former President Trump. So where was he? Cawthorn held this fundraiser in Bedminster, New Jersey. It was at the Trump National Golf Club. It was rumored to be $50,000 a plate, so a very la-di-da type event. Uh, I thought it was very funny. Jasmine Beach Ferrara, Buncombe Commissioner, she posted on Twitter that on that same day, she would be having a fundraiser at the Tropical Gardens Mini Golf, and it was far less than $50,000 a person. It was actually $5 a person. So those out-of-district fundraisers, something that was a topic of a conversation you had last month with a pretty prominent Republican, Carl Rove, very close advisor to former President George W. Bush, known as Bush's Brain. Um, you had a long conversation with him because Carl Rove spoke at an NC, Republican, NC District 11 Republican event. So what sorts of things was he talking about? in regards of with Congressman Cawthorn? That's right, Matt. I think the biggest takeaway was that the district, the 11th Congressional District, is so Republican that it produces a surplus of votes that helps Republicans outweigh some of the more Democratic areas of the state like Charlotte. So he stressed the importance of NC-11 Republicans continuing to act as a grassroots army and getting that vote out both in 2022 
and in 2024. I think the most interesting thing that he did say about uh, uh, Representative Cawthorn, and I think we have a clip here, he needs to focus on remaining in the district or campaigning in the district and not worry so much about his national profile, which, of course, has been part and parcel to Cawthorn's identity since he spoke at the Republican National Convention last year. Don't get a, don't get too far over uh, into campaigning nationwide. Uh, don't neglect the people back home. Sophomore victories are really important to cementing a district, and he can play a huge role. The bigger he runs up his numbers in the 11th, the better the chances are that the Republicans win the Senate race and keep the state legislature. So it's very interesting. That's what Carl Rove is saying about next year. Now, Congressman Cawthorn has drawn yet another Republican challenger. These aren't pretty big names that are coming up, but there are four of them now. So who's the latest one to enter the race? So this latest gentleman, I just spoke with him this morning. His name is Rod Honeycutt. He's a retired Army colonel. He's got a website up and everything like that. Uh, So he rolled out, I believe, August 1st. Now he becomes the fourth Republican. We have an Asheville uh, Navy veteran, Wendy Navarez. We have Haywood County Sheriff's Deputy Eric Batchelor. And we also have uh, owner of the Pisgah Inn out in Haywood County or Transylvania County, Bruce O'Connell. So you're right. These aren't huge names. They're all political novices. But you have to kind of evaluate why so many people are running. Now there's five candidates in that race, including Cawthorn. And just to quick look ahead to next year's election. Uh, We'll start with the 11th district, but there are also a lot of Democrats running. So a lot of people announcing for this race in a district that is considered a pretty safe Republican district. What's that say? That's a great question, Matt. And I think we're going to find out next year. Democrats obviously wanted this seat really badly last time around with Colonel Mo Davis. It didn't work out for them. Jasmine Beach Ferraro was the first uh, Democrat to announce her candidacy. She was followed by Josh Remillard, Jay Carey, Eric Gash. Katie Dean and Bo Hess. And so you do have six Democrats on that side. You've got five Democrats on the other. I think what all this eventually means is that this is going to be a hard-fought primary and a hard-fought general. And we don't know when the primary is going to be yet because of the districting that has to still take place. The 11th probably won't change much, but that could see some changes in some of the state legislative districts out in this area. There's also the Senate campaign. You did talk to Carl Rove about that too. What did he have to say about that? About two months ago, I was at the uh, North Carolina uh, Republican Party State Convention where former President Trump spoke. Very unexpectedly, he did give his endorsement to Congressman Ted Budd. Now, there are six or seven Republicans in that race as well, but there are definitely two tiers to that race, in my opinion. The other heavies there are former Governor Pat McCrory and former Congressman Mark Walker. Uh, This sets up an interesting conflict because, as we talked about earlier, Cawthorn and Trump have grown very tight. Trump endorsed Bud Cawthorn has endorsed Mark Walker. And so that primary, you know, you've got some real players in that. And it will be very interesting to see who emerges. Now, Carl Rove told me that the endorsement by Trump would definitely help Bud, but Bud's got to go out there and do a lot of the work on his own. He also hasn't had a stellar fundraising effort so far. So again, there's still a lot up in the air about this race. And by the way, I see it, it could go any which way. Democratic side, some Candidates filing there, too. Probably three candidates again towards the top. A couple of familiar faces in North Carolina politics. Tell us about the Democratic side. 
Yeah, so I think there are five or six candidates on that side. As you said, two or three really good, serious candidates. One of those is current state senator Jeff Jackson. Jeff was in Haywood County about a week and a half ago. I talked with him at an event. He's trying to do town halls in all 100 counties, and that was his 54th county. Uh, He also had been to Haywood County before. So you've got some Senate candidates who are coming to the West looking for these votes in a very red part of the state. And then, of course, Sherry Beasley, former Supreme Court justice. She lost a nail biter to Paul Newby by about 400 votes out of more than 5.2 million cast. So she's a known name. She's basically proven her electability and gone a long way to show that statewide voters are willing to put a Democrat in a statewide office. And so I think the race will come down to those two, those two folks right there. Well, anything we should think about? This is August of 2021. We still have five months left of this year before we get to a primary when we don't actually know is going to take place next year in North Carolina. So, um, no, any final words of let's, uh, whatever. <laughs> let's talk about redistricting. Sure. 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 Um, So I've been seeing stuff on Twitter that says that uh, the redistricting stuff should come out here in the next two weeks. So maybe two, three, four weeks down the line, we'll have a better idea of what these congressional districts and state legislative districts look like. Don't look for them to change a lot. NC-11 is not going to become much more competitive, but it should shave off a few of the Republican points. The state legislative districts, likely in this part of the country or the state, they will not change. But we're all watching that data, which, as you know, came from the census, which was delayed and buggy and difficult. So uh, there's going to be a lot said about that when it eventually is released. And no doubt a lawsuit or lawsuits coming out of it if we'd known anything about North Carolina politics over the last decade. There were several lawsuits leading up to the redistricting that happened prior to the census redistricting. And so it'd be folly to think that there won't be several more after these results are released. Corey Valancourt, Smoky Mountain News Politics Editor. He is going to be on an episode of The Porch later this month. Now, we're going to be talking with Chris Cooper about 2022 next month, probably the only person that can rival Corey's knowledge of politics in this region. But you're going to be talking about something completely different in the next episode of The Porch this month. Give us just that tiny little bit of preview. Most of the people that I know call it corn squeezins. And that's all we'll say. So catch the porch later this month on Blue Ridge Public Radio. Corey Valancourt, as always, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Matt.